0: So this morning, we're continuing a teaching series that we started last week called Practicing Christian, where we're looking at six essential attitudes and habits for a life of following after Jesus, a life really of constantly growing in what it means to be a follower and disciple of Jesus. We started last week by saying that, that following Jesus begins really each day with an attitude of surrender. We talked a lot about what that means. And today we're going to shift to a habit, a practice that is essential to a life of learning to love and follow Jesus. And that's the habit and the practice of prayer. And my, my aim in this conversation is, is to not focus so much on the, on the why of prayer, because most of you understand that if you're here as a follower of Jesus, you should pray. But for you to understand and appreciate that life as a practicing Christian is a life of exercising and growing in prayer. It is. And they give you some practical resources and insights on how to do that. Uh, To help you along the way, just a reminder that we have been uh, equipping you with these practicing Christian notebooks and pens so that you are without excuse for following along and being engaged and taking notes. And if you don't have one, I believe we have just a couple extras left. Maybe we'll get some more next week out in the uh, the common space outside the sanctuary or just steal the one from the person next to you. But whatever you do, find a way to be engaged and follow along at a handful of moments throughout the message. uh, I'll encourage you to write some specific things down, all right? Let me start here. Human beings are wired. We are made for prayer. When we don't have it, we suffer from the absence of it. There are certain benefits of prayer that, whether you know it or not, we crave, we desire, we need, and we try to backfill some of the blessing that really only prayer can truly bring in any number of ways. Uh, Study after study tells us that human beings require certain basic things in their lives. We require things like connection. We need other people. We require a sense of meaning and purpose. We're hungry for an answer to the question of, of why. We... We want to feel safe and secure. We, we crave things like peace. We also have this deep desire to be heard, to know that, that someone out there understands what's going on in here. And when we don't have those things in our life, we will seek to find those things in things like um, going to the gym and exercising, in downloading a bunch of podcasts and trying to better ourselves by being people of profound knowledge. Uh, we'll go and talk to a therapist. That's a good thing to do. Maybe you're, you're into mindfulness and meditation right now. None of those things are, are, are bad things on the surface. Uh, but what the Christian faith teaches is this, that those urges you have, those needs that you have to be connected to other people, to, to be heard as an individual, to have a sense of meaning and purpose and to know that you're gonna be okay in the very end, Those urges are ultimately, ultimately a sign of your need to be connected to your Creator. Those needs are good, and the other ways in which we try to meet them are not necessarily bad, but they are signs of a deeper ultimate need that you have, which is to be in an intimate relationship with the infinite. The deepest need that you have is to be in a dynamic relationship with the divine. And and the first thing I want you to write down is this, that that's what prayer is. Prayer is communion with God. It is a communion with God that will, over the course of your life, it will satisfy your deepest needs in ways that other things cannot. Prayer is communion with God. It satisfies your deepest needs in ways that other things cannot. Now, like, like everything else in this broken world that is worth doing, prayer does not happen easily. It's not something that you're instantly good at. It, it, it's a lot like, like being in love or staying married. It's, it's easy at first, but in order to do that for the long haul and to enjoy the richness of it, you really have to work at it that's true with prayer now now if all of that is true that we have these deep needs that are only really satisfied by this dynamic relationship with the divine and prayer is is a central way in how we into uh, a central way of how we connect into that dynamic relationship that we need then it makes sense that jesus would spend a lot of time demonstrating this for us and talking about this for us and teaching on this for us which of course he does And what we just read earlier in the service is Jesus' most clear, most explicit, most profound teaching on prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. But what you may have noticed is that before Jesus explicitly teaches about prayer, he first uh, attacks or debunks two common misconceptions, or you could even say kind of abuses, of prayer. Uh, Take a look again at what Jesus says. Starting Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5, then we'll jump to verse 7. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Jesus is using firm language. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners with the goal that they may be seen by others. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles or non-believers do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So with these words, Jesus attacks two misunderstandings about prayer. The two misunderstandings are this, uh, that prayer is an act of spiritual performance or that prayer is a means of initiating a transaction. When Jesus talks about the hypocrites, he's talking about people who saw prayer as a way for them to put on display their spiritual maturity, their spiritual prowess. It was a performance. When he talks about the unbelievers, the heathens or the Gentiles, he's talking about people who, who believed that they could that they could charm the pants off of the deities by saying enough words, by finding the right incantation, they could unlock the generosity of the gods and get whatever they want. It was about a transaction. It's about a transaction, a performance or a transaction. Kind of like like rubbing the genie's bottle and you get three wishes, right? That's not how this works. It's not about a performance, it's not about a transaction. So what is it about? Now, before I dive into that, some of you may be thinking, Matt, nobody thinks this way anymore. M- shoot, most people don't even pray, right? And that's true. Study after study tells us that, that a small margin of even Christians pray on a daily basis. So you might be thinking, there's, there's not many people left who see prayer as this act of spiritual performance, and, and there's probably not many people left who see prayer as a means to get whatever they want from God, to which I would say, not so fast, People are still really guilty of this. And you know who the primary perpetrators are? You. And me. I will include myself in this. For for example, every time that, that that you stop yourself from praying in any capacity in a public space because you are afraid of what the perception of others might be, you are guilty of seeing prayer as an act of spiritual performance something that might be gauged and seen and measured by others. Or or every time you you get angry because the, the prayer that you prayed didn't get answered in precisely the way you wanted it, even though you had really good intentions when you prayed and you think you said all the right things, you are guilty of seeing prayer as ways of initiating a transaction. Or whenever you say amen and the first thought you have is, man, that was pretty good, I should go pro or man, that was awful, you're seeing it as a performance. Or when you, you say a prayer and you think to, and you, and you think to yourself, God, God will never, ever respond to that prayer because man, look at what's going on in my heart or, or think of how awful my words were or I fell asleep in the middle of my prayer. you're you're guilty of seeing it as a performance or as a way of initiating a transaction. We're all guilty of that. But that's not what prayer is about. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not an act of spiritual performance. Prayer is an expression of dependence. (laughs) And prayer is not a means of initiating a transaction. It is a way to deepen a relationship. Is an expression of dependence. For more on that, go back to what we talked about last week. We surrender and we recognize we're totally dependent upon God, and to pray is to articulate that dependence. And then it is a means of deepening a connection, a relationship. There are some people who will say, "You know, Matt, I, I tried prayer, but prayer doesn't work." Which, if you think about it, is is a statement that doesn't really make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Now if I, f- if I flip a light switch and the light doesn't come on, the light switch doesn't work, I get it. Or if I step into my car and I push the button to start the car and nothing happens, that button is not working, right? But if I, if I, if I have a conversation with my wife and I ask her for something and the answer is no, does that mean conversation with your spouse doesn't work? No, it just means you're married. It means you're in a relationship with a living, breathing person who has a plan and an opinion. And so just because it doesn't go the way you want doesn't mean it works. It means you're in a relationship. And sometimes the answer in a relationship is no or not right now. That's how it works. Prayer is not a means of performing how spiritual you are. It's not a means of initiating a transaction. It's a declaration of dependence. God, I need you. And it is a way in which you deepen a relationship. And those, those of you who have children, you know how this works. You, you encourage your children to come to you with wishes and wants and needs and hurts and pains and fears. And, and when they're little, especially, you encourage them to, like, climb up on your lap and whisper every worry, fear, or want into your ears. And, and, if, and as a parent, are, are you going to judge them harshly if in their articulation of their need to you they lack eloquence? No, you, I mean, you should not. I mean, my, my son is five years old, and half the time that he addresses me, he calls me mom. <laughs> it's true. Or if, if your child asked for something that you actually knew they desperately needed would would you withhold it from them because they they don't ask in just the right way no Uh, likewise if if you found out that your your child was afraid to come to you and open up their heart because they were afraid that they were going to approach you or address you in the wrong way and that you would punish them your your heart would be broken Or if you found out that the only reason they ever want to talk to you is not because they care about you or they love you or they want to spend time with you, is only only if and when they have an agenda and they need something from you. Now, caveat, that's most of the teenage years. But on the whole, if you knew they only reached out because they want, not because they love, you would be heartbroken. And the same is true with God. He invites us to open up our hearts To share with him. Because the process of vulnerability, of opening up, of of saying our wants and our needs and the warmth of his embrace, it strengthens the relationship. That's why you welcome your child into your lap to open their hearts. Because it's good for them to do so. And it strengthens the connection between the both of you. And the same is true with God. The same is true. After all, he refers to the people of this planet as his children, and he invites us to refer to him as what? Father. Prayer is a way of expressing your dependence. I need you, Dad. And strengthening your connection. Now, with that said, I want to look at three things that, that can shape our prayers so that we can be more more effective in our prayers, more regular in our prayers, and more at peace in our prayers. With time left, I want to look at three things. The how of prayer, the substance of prayer, and some examples of prayer. So one of the reasons that prayer is so effective in creating intimacy with God is that prayer engages the fullness of God. It engages the fullness of God. As we just confessed in the Nicene Creed and in all of the creeds, and as you look through the scriptures, Christians believe that God is one, yet God is three. God is three in one He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And prayer for Christians, here's the how of prayer prayer is Trinitarian, this is how prayer works. To pray is, in effect, to confess a belief in the Trinity. Because think about it. Jesus instructs us to pray to God the Father. We pray to God the Father because Jesus instructs us to. We pray to God the Father. But we don't pray in our own name. We pray in whose name? In Jesus' name. And we don't pray according to our own power and strength. We pray according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Christians pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is important because, look, you, you, when you pray, you're not just praying to some nameless, faceless deity. You're, you're, not, you're not offering a prayer to the force of the universe. Save that for Baby Yoda's bedtime prayers. You are praying to a person, to God, your Father. And you're not coming on your own accord, hoping He'll read your resume and listen to your prayers. You are coming in the name of Jesus. Jesus has said that through faith in Him, He then places His name on you. You trust Him, He puts His name on you, which means that whenever the Father looks at you, He sees Jesus, His Son. So as you approach Him in prayer, He says, Oh, I know you, talk to me. That's why we go in His name and not mine or yours. And then we pray by the power of the Spirit because what the Scriptures tell us is that no one reaches out to God unless God himself first stirs and moves and enables and empowers that prayer. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what that means is that every single time you pray, every single time you pray, whether you're reciting the Lord's Prayer here in church with us or you're fumbling through a prayer at the kitchen table or falling asleep in prayer as you fade off to bed, you can be sure of three things. You can be sure that God will be good to you because He's your Father. That God will listen to you because you're coming in the name of Jesus and Jesus is your access And that God is working in you. Because no one prays unless God himself stirs it up. So I know your prayer might feel like it lacks eloquence or power, but God will be good to you, God will listen to you, and God is working in you. Be confident of that. That's how we pray, to the Father, in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to the substance of our prayers, like actually what should be said, this is where the Lord's Prayer is incredibly instructive. Because not only does it give us an actual prayer to pray, but but it's a teaching about the content and the substance of of any and all prayer. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, we we see three big things about prayer in general that should inform what we pray whenever we pray we see that prayer involves submission to God's will. It involves a declaration of your needs. And it involves a call upon His grace. Submission to God's will, declaration of your needs, and a call upon His grace. Look with me at at the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus says. Starting at starting at verse 6. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This This is submission to God's will. It begins with, I want what you want. Whatever you think is best, whatever you think is right, make it happen here in my life. Submission to God's will. Then, what does Jesus say? He says, give us this day our daily bread. And then later on, he says, keep us from temptation and evil. This is an articulation of my needs. Daily bread is symbolic of the things you need to survive today and the things you think you need to survive tomorrow. Ask for those things. It's okay to pray for yourself. Did you know that? Lord, give me what I need to survive today and keep me from shooting myself in the foot today through temptation. Protect me. Articulate your needs. And then Jesus goes on. He says this, forgive us our trespasses or our spiritual debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a call up to God upon his forgiving nature. Make your grace known and evident to me. Thank you for forgiving me and may that also then flow through me. And then some of the most ancient manuscripts, it's it's not included in every translation of the Bible, but this is where it comes from. Many of the ancient manuscripts of Matthew's gospel, they also then include, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Which again is another way of submitting to God's will. So you see this in the Lord's Prayer. Submit to God's will, declare your needs, call upon his grace. That's the substance of prayer. Now now you might be wondering, How in the world does this get lived out when I offer my seemingly measly prayer as I drive to work? Well, it it might look something like this. I wrote a prayer for you, for me, that is perhaps um, symbolic or an example of some of the prayers we pray. It might go something like this. Heavenly Father, I have so much on my mind, but I know you are good and I want your will to be accomplished. You're submitting to his will. Do what you think is best. I trust you. And here's what I want. Now we're declaring our own needs. I need my daughter to have a good day. She's struggling so much and it kills me. And help me to do my work today knowing I'm loved and forgiven by you. Now we're declaring our needs but also calling upon God's grace. And may that change how I interact with Bob. As you know, Bob is the worst. I can't stand Bob. No one can. Everyone hates Bob. Did you know you can be honest when you pray? If that's what you need, if you need to pray not to kill Bob, pray for that. But then now, we, again, we're calling also upon God's grace. But I am your Bob. And you love me. Help me to love him. I trust you with everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Submit to God's will, declare your needs, call upon His grace that it may may be made known to you and through you. Now, I'm not saying your prayer has to look like this, but I am asserting that based on the Lord's Prayer, this is the foundation and substance and the building block of every Christian prayer. Now, this prayer can take on a lot of different forms, and there's a lot of different ways to take this substance of prayer and articulate it in a life of prayer. But but I want to highlight just just three basic and essential means and types and forms of prayer that are are something I want you to have in your back pocket as you seek to grow in prayer. And these are things I would write down. The first is what I would call appointment prayer. Appointment prayer. This is prayer that happens at a set time in a set manner. It happens for 15 minutes— most mornings before the kids get up. Or it happens when you're riding the carpool to and from work and you close your eyes, you try to pray. You're not the one driving. Or it happens on your break, at work, you close your door and you try to focus in for a few minutes on God. Or it happens as you're falling asleep in bed and you're, you're trying to pray and you doze off while, while something's playing on your phone in the background. It happens at a set time. And it also happens with some set resources or rhythms. Perhaps you, you read a little bit of scripture from a devotional book and then you write in a journal. It's a great practice. Or there's a, a prayer podcast like Pray As You Go. It's a great podcast that helps you to pray. It gives you some words to say and focuses your thoughts. I listen to it on a regular basis. Or there is a book of of ancient or or pre-written prayers that you read through and you you make that prayer your own. The point of appointment prayer is that there's a set time and a set manner in which you're doing this and you try to keep that appointment and, and grow in that rhythm. Jesus practiced appointment prayer. You see this over and over in the Gospels. We get phrases like this. Read these words with me. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The other type of prayer is what I would call concurrent prayer. This is praying as you go in the midst of life while things are happening. These are prayers, some people call them breath prayers. These are prayers that you mutter to yourself, that you whisper to yourself, often as though you're talking to yourself as you head into the difficult conversation or as you drive away from the near-death experience on I-10 or as you get off the phone with your teenage daughter, or as you're in the midst of an argument with your spouse because you'd like to stay married. These are the prayers that you whisper and mutter to yourself throughout the course of your day. Um, If you see me walking around and I'm whispering and muttering to myself, it's it's not merely that I'm crazy. It's because I am probably practicing or saying concurrent prayer. This is a habit in my life. As I walk into a meeting that's going to be really, really difficult, I am, I am praying. I am talking to my Lord through my own lips, whispering underneath the situation. Or I am, I am giving God thanks for showing me grace after just showing and proving myself to have been a jerk in a previous situation. This, I believe, is part of what Paul is talking about when he offers us words like this. When he says, read this with me, Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. My goal in prayer is to be as constant in prayer as my daughter is in texting her friends. She is texting without ceasing. And my goal is to have a life of concurrent prayer in in many moments, at most times, every day, speaking to God throughout the day as my day is unfolding. And then the third, and I don't want this one to scare you off, the third one is pastoral prayer. And what I mean by pastoral prayer is not the prayer you ask me to pray, but pastoral prayer is the prayer that you are called to offer in response to being presented with someone else's needs. It's a prayer of compassion in response to someone else's need, hurt, issues being handed to you or introduced to you. This happens all the time. You're sitting in the break room at work and a coworker confesses some big struggle or some significant worry to you. Or your, your, your neighbor texts you and tells you that her, her dad just got diagnosed with cancer and she's just wrecked by the news. Or you, you're scrolling through your news feed on Facebook and you see something horrible that's happened in the life of someone that you love. And, and there's this nudge, there's this moving inside of you. We would call it the Holy Spirit that says, oh, prayer, prayer, somebody's got to pray. They need Jesus. Somebody's got to pray. And you know what we typically do in that moment? We, if, we're, if we're feeling really spiritual, we will, we will say to somebody, I will pray for you. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I will. Or we, we comment, you know, kind of the obligatory thoughts and prayers. And here's what I know about myself, like true confession. And this is coming from a preacher, right? Like I, like I studied some prayer. Most of the time, when I say to somebody, I will pray for you, I have to really remember to actually pray. Most of the time, I just say that, and I struggle to actually do that. And I know I'm not the only one for whom that is true. Instead, here's what you should do. This is something to write down. The next time that you feel the the need, the urge to pray in response to a need that someone else has presented to you, here's what you should do. Write this down. You should pray. Right then, right there. Now I know that that is really, really difficult because you're standing in the the checkout line at the supermarket. It's going to make everybody weird. It's going to feel really, really awkward. But I challenge you. I challenge you. Some of the most profound moments in my Christian life have come when I have gotten over myself and prayed for someone else, with someone else, in that particular moment. Now. Another thing that I've recently started to do that is very practical and helpful that I'll offer to you as well is when someone reaches out to me and they send me a text message or an email, Uh, or I see something on Facebook about how, how life is going sideways or they have some kind of need, issue, concern, or worry, or if someone presents that to me live and in person and it just is impossible to actually, like, pray for them in that moment, in that space, what I'll do is I'll respond to that message or I'll send them a message in which I have a small conversation with them, but what I actually do is I type out my prayer for them in that message and send it to them. Like, I put it in quotation marks and I say, Heavenly Father... Be with so and so today. May this happen and this happen and this happen. May your good and gracious will be done for them in Jesus' name, Amen. And I send it to them. And the reason I do that is twofold. Number one, it, it helps ensure that I actually pray, because I'm type I'm praying while I'm typing or while I'm texting. And then also it gives them something to hold on to, and they can like pray it too, and they hold on to it. I can't tell you the number of times somebody said to me, Matt, thank you, that that short little prayer was so comforting and helpful, and I've held on to it, and, and just kind of made it my own prayer. And that is something you can do. That's pastoral prayer. Prayer in response to the needs of somebody else. There is so much we could say about the need for and the reality of prayer in the life of a practicing Christian. So much. But if you're here today as a follower of Jesus and you're seeking to grow in your followership of Jesus over the course of your life, my challenge for you this morning, my homework for you this morning is simply this. It is to pray. And don't worry about the performance of it. Don't don't get yourself tripped out on whether or not God is going to God is going to answer the prayer just the right way, you, just the right way, exactly how you want. Set all those things aside and just pray. Set an appointment. Talk to Him as you mumble through your day. Respond to somebody else's need. It will not be easy, but it will be worth it. And as you pray, understand it's an expression of your dependence upon God, and it will it will strengthen your connection to the divine. It will. It takes work, but it is worth it, and you have all of your life to grow in it. So start in it. Just start. Just start and keep starting. If you're here this morning and, and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, or you're skeptical about all of this stuff, I get it. My homework for you is this. Pray. And I know you wonder as to whether or not there's even anybody out there hearing you or whether it's worth it. You feel kind of foolish, I get that. But what do you have to lose? I mean, at the very least, study after study, secular studies, like from the Journal of American Medicine, I can hand them to you, tell us that there is psychological and physiological benefit, tangible benefit in the lives of people who pray. So at the very least, consider it an investment in your, it, an investment in your wellness and chalk it up to science, okay? I'll close with this. There was an older woman who was at a yard sale and she stumbled across uh, an old piece of crocheted artwork, handmade artwork. And stitched in the middle of this artwork were the words, Prayer Changes Things. Put a smile on her face, so she, she bought it, she took it home, and she, she put it up in their kitchen. Her husband came home hungry, wanting dinner, and he looked up and he, he saw that piece of artwork on the kitchen wall and he said, No, 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 take that down, not in our house. I don't want it here. And she said, Honey, what's wrong? Do you have a problem with Prayer? And he said, no, I just don't like change. Now, now here's the reason I share that with you. Maybe the reason that you are lacking or struggling in prayer is not merely because you wonder about what to say or you struggle to find time with it or you're worried about being disappointed if God doesn't give you exactly what you want. Maybe it's not just those things, but maybe, maybe you're afraid it will actually work and God's will will be done. Maybe it's because you're afraid it will change things. Let me tell you, it does. It will change you. You. And this dynamic relationship with the divine, it will satisfy over the long term your deepest needs in ways that nothing else can. So speak. God is listening. More next week. Let's pray.